Hey there. Thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thank you. Well, it's good to be back home again. Uh, most of you already know Ruth and I went for a couple of weeks. That's great, thanks. Went for a couple of weeks holiday in Palm Cove. It was very warm there, humid. I think it was about 35 degrees and 90% humidity. So um, I know some people don't like that. It's not so bad when you're on holidays. I'm just getting a whole lot of echo up here, Pip. So if you can make me stop echoing somehow, that'd be great. And so we had a great time and then uh, arrived home. Uh, Ruth was here on Sunday morning. I went to Geelong and then straight to the airport. Uh, I've just been in London and in Ireland where the temperature was quite the opposite to what we experience here. It was like three and four degrees, windy, cold. I mean, last weekend I had to fly, I spoke in the morning in Ireland, had to fly in the afternoon to England or to London, and um, there was this massive storm that had come across, uh, across from the US, and they were predicting winds of 160 miles an hour. Uh, British Airways had cancelled most of their flights. Um, Fortunately, I wasn't with them. I was with the Irish Aer Lingus, and uh, they didn't think wind would be a problem, so they flew anyway. (laughs) What's the problem? It's only wind, you know. um, And so uh, when when we landed back at Heathrow, because it was a little tough, everyone started clapping and cheering, and I thought, it wasn't that bad, but anyway, they carry on. Remember... um, Jesus was there amongst a crowd of people and there was one particular guy. He said, what's the most important commandment of all? And Jesus' response was to love the Lord your God, all your heart and your soul and your mind. He said, the second is of equal importance, to love your neighbor as yourself. The tricky part for us is this. The first one is palatable, the second one is less practical. It's not that hard for us to say that we love God, that we put God first. But the question of whether or not we put God first is actually worked out or proven by the way we relate to the people around about us. That's not so palatable, is it? you say you love God, I can prove it by the way you treat the people around you. It's not me saying this, it's what Jesus was saying. And that's why he was saying it's of equal importance, it's exactly the same. The first one is, is proven by the second one. As a matter of fact, if you look at the book of First uh, John, it says the same thing. Is you can't say you love God and not put it into practice by loving others. Your actions prove what you value. And my responsibility today is to talk to you a little bit bit about um, being relational. Most of you understand, and by the time we finish this, everyone will probably be sick of the words. 
But grace is made up of those uh, five different words. Uh, Trent spoke about being generous last week. My responsibility is to talk to you about being relational. And in some ways, can I say, this is the most important one. And you'll say, that's why is being relational most important? Well, it sums up life. Jesus said the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God. What's that? It's a relationship. He said the second, which is of equal importance, but second in order only, not in value, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know the most important thing in the world is relationship? If you watch TV at all, it's about relationship. Some of you will um, watch and see what, I, I don't know what they're even called, married without, I don't know, there was one with a farmer, farmer wants a wife, I remember that one. There's first dates or something like that. People are yelling out, I can't hear most of what you're yelling out. Neighbours, neighbours is a relationship program. Friends, what's friends about? It's about relationships. As a matter of fact, even the football is about Relationships. It's the relationship that the players will have with the coach after the game's finished. As a matter of fact, all of life is about relationship. And if we don't learn about relationships and don't put into practice some of the things we can gain from Christ about relationships, then what happens is we actually get ripped off. It's interesting, you know, I was listening or no, so I was reading a, a, a book through the week. And this guy was talking about uh, when he was 31, he went, to, uh, went through a time of, of deep depression and he writes this book called Hope and he talks about some of the things that he went through and he said, and without discounting all of the other aspects associated with depression, he said depression for him, a part of the, or one of the significant components was uh, around loss of purpose. He didn't know. He didn't know what he was there for. Can I say the reason we're here is for relationship? There is nothing more important than relationships. Relationships with God and relationships with others. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by the love you have for one another. The reality is this, we're all different. We don't all see things the same way, but Jesus in communicating to the people around about him was saying the way people will know that you are my disciples is by the love you exhibit towards one another. In other words, the way you prove you follow God is by the way you treat your brother and sister. This is a challenging, challenging thing. I wish I had it down pat. I wish I was perfect, but I know that I'm not. Some years ago, there was a book about five, the, the five love languages, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation, touch and gifts. And it brought great insight to people about how we love one another, how we receive love and how we need to give love. The trouble with this is most people still express love in the way that they receive it, but that's not really love. If you do what you want, if you do for somebody else what you want to receive, then that's just an exchange. 
It's, it's not an exhibition of love. When you love someone, you're supposed to do what doesn't come natural to you, but does uh, is received in a, in a way for them. On the way home from the airport late on Thursday night, I knew it was Valentine's Day on Friday. And, um, and so I went out of my way, went to a shop late Friday night, a supermarket, obviously, because nothing else is open. And I brought my wife a red rose. It hurt me because it's a waste of money. I don't know if you realise what happens to flowers is that there's no point to it, really. I mean, you put them there and they die. It's, it's like the money is gone. That, so that's what I think about flowers. Nobody buy me flowers. It's a, at least with fruit, you can eat fruit. <clears throat> you can't eat flowers. There's no point to flowers. And so um, some of you will disagree with me and Ruth disagrees. So to express love, I did something that goes against my grain. I wasted money on this flower that's going to die. <laughs> but what it did for her, because, you know, we talk about these five love, love languages, one of her love languages is gifts. I've spoken about this before, and, you know, pretty much I get ripped off. Ruth's love languages, or the way she receives loves, is through words of affirmation and gifts. That means I've got to buy her stuff all of the time and tell her how good she is. <laughs> and um, that's the way I sum it up anyway. And so for me to express love to her, that's what I do. Mine's acts of service. That's really practical. You get things done. <laughs> I like getting things done. That's just, that works for me. So, I, and you, you've probably, depending on our, I, I don't care what you think of me. I don't, you don't need to encourage me. It's not going to make any difference because I'm not a words of affirmation people. I just want the job done. If you get the job done, I'm happy. That's all that makes me happy. And so what happens is, as we go through life in relationships, this is not about marriages. It's about relationships full stop. If we're to express love to one another, we ought not to express love in a way that we receive it. We ought to express love in the way that the other person we're targeting receives it. It's way more complex. That means you need to know what they value, what's important for them. And so if you're trying to express love, you're not doing it instinctively. You're doing it volitionally. You're intentionally. You're finding what it is that is important to them and you're doing it in a way that expresses love to them. Now, <clears throat> people don't like this, but love is a decision. It's not a feeling. Now, I'm not discounting the fact that there are romantic feelings. People have romantic feelings. I, I had one once or twice. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> But romantic feelings come and go. And, and some of you are thinking, that's terrible, that's terrible. No, it's, it's not terrible. I'll tell you why. My decision to love is more powerful than the whim of an emotion. It's a decision I make. It, it, it doesn't matter what I feel. I've made a decision. I've made a decision to love God. I've made a decision to love my wife. I go through vacillation about my animals, you know, because depending on how they respond, there are times that I love them and times that I want to kill them. And we eat some of them, so. (laughs) 
But can I say this? When Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, love your neighbour as yourself, he wasn't talking about getting a warm and fuzzy feeling. He was actually saying, make a decision to express your love to God in a certain way. Whether you feel like it or not. Make a decision to love your neighbour in a certain way, whether you feel like it or not. And and, and the reality is too many people live in this day and age based on their emotion and the the, the whims that come as a result of their feelings. And, And what happens is our emotions go up and down, our feelings go up and down, and our relationships go up and down as a result. That shouldn't be the case. The ultimate ideal is that there'd be security in relationship that is not based on a whim or an emotion or a feeling but it's based on a decision that you make. Now, that's what Jesus was talking about. That's why, you know, I mentioned the five love uh, love languages or ways of expressing love, because if you were to express love, you ought to do it in a way that the people around you are able to receive it. Helping uh, Helping someone in a practical way when what they need is a word of encouragement doesn't cut it. Someone needs encouraging and you're helping them practically, it doesn't make much difference to how they're experiencing love. <clears throat> let, me, let, me, let me say a couple of things. A relationship takes at least two people, and each needs, needs to participate. When it comes to loving God, it's relatively easy because you've got one perfect person and you've got one responder. And so the perfect person, meaning God, is, there is no issues with him. If there is issues in the relationship, the relationship, the relationship suffers because of the, the fallible one, you and I. And so repairing a relationship with God is not that difficult because we just got to look inside of ourselves and work out some things. But when you have a relationship between two imperfect people, it's really, really difficult. Because not only are you dealing with your own issues, you're dealing with their issues. You're dealing with what they're thinking, the way that they're acting, the way that they're responding. One of the most powerful things that the enemy did at the fall was he destroyed our ability to communicate. Our ability to connect with one another has been severely damaged as a result of sin. What happens is if I talk to Tim Ong, Tim attempts to listen to my words, they go into his ears, he thinks he hears what I'm saying, and I think I've communicated to him what I'm saying, but if he thinks something different, then there's a lack of communication. I'll just, I'll meet you later, Tim. It's as simple as that. Now, that's so unclear. What does that mean? I'll meet you online? Does that mean I'll meet you later on today? Does that mean I'll meet you next week? And, and what, 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 why, why do you want to meet with me anyway? Am I in trouble again? <laughs> and, and you see some, so, so few words, such simple words can be Um, the source of miscommunication and even tension between us if it's not, if we don't take the time necessary to connect with one another on a way that we understand one another. 
And, and, and so what happens for all of us is we attempt to build relationships with one another. Communication, um, it, it's got the potential to destroy a relationship right at the very beginning. And what we need to do is work on how we can change some of these things. A relationship is not one person taking advantage of someone else's generosity. Relationship is not sharing the same opinions all the time. Relationship is not having the same likes and dislikes or even the same occupation. A relationship is not one person doing all the talking and the other doing all the listening. A relationship is not a feeling of obligation that pushes you to action. There are many things that relationships are not. Uh, It doesn't mean there aren't transactions that these things occur in, but, you know, if we're looking to love our neighbor as ourselves, none of those things is true in a relationship. It's It's not the sort of relationship that Jesus was talking about. You see, the only thing that is truly eternal is relationship. Some of you will die soon, hopefully not this afternoon, and you will take with you nothing. There have been funny stories of people dying and having money buried with them or rings buried with them, and I think there was a story one time of a guy who got buried in an 18-carat gold car because he wanted the car to go with him. And I don't know if they realise, it doesn't actually work that way. What happens when you die is you degrade. I'm trying to find an approach. I went for a walk yesterday morning, and, um, and it was okay until I walked past something that was degrading. It was, it was, it was dissolving. It was, basically, it was a dead animal. And it was wasting away. And when that happens, there's a foul smell. It was, yeah, it's a bit like that. It made me walk a little faster. When you die, you take nothing with you apart from relationship. The most important relationship is your relationship with God. I say this carefully, but you know, you don't take your marriage partner with you. As a matter of fact, in heaven, there is no ongoing relationships like that and the reason that is the case is because our relationship with God exceeds any experience of relationship you have here and now. As a matter of fact our relationships here and now are meant to be if you like indicative or a foretaste of extraordinary relationship and completeness and fulfillment. I heard Desmond moaning there when I said that (laughs) But the relationship these two have, as pleasurable as it may be, as long as it may be, fades in comparison to a relationship with God. A relationship with Him blasts everything else away. The only thing that is eternal is relationship. Now, somehow, we'll probably know one another, but hopefully, hopefully you've all improved a lot. Because we'll be there together for eternity. (laughs) The good thing is the Bible also says that when we see Jesus, we'll be like him as he is. That means perfect. Talks about our spiritual being. Somehow 
who we are today, while we are hopefully improving, we will get to a place where we've improved and won't be able to improve anymore. We'll be like him as he is. And so the goal for us is to carry the people around us in relationship towards an eternal destiny. The alternative is to carry forward your lack of interest or lack of engagement with Christ into into eternity as well. Relationship is eternal whether you like it or not. You don't have a choice. You either end up being with God or without God. There is no other option. Certainly none that I can read in the Bible. I mean, people say there are other options and some of them are weird and crazy, but the Bible is clear. We're either with him for eternity or we're not with him for eternity. And people worry about hell. Hell's not a problem. It's being without God is the problem. That creates hell in itself. People draw pictures of hell and, and try and make it scary or uh, uh, intolerable. That's not the issue. Being without God is the issue. That's what's intolerable. Some, just some thoughts about uh, some of the words that we're talking about. The purpose of grace is the reconciliation of relationships. What's, uh, there is nothing more important than the reconciliation of relationship. The reason grace is extended to us is so that we can uh, be in a relationship with God despite our imperfections, despite our sinfulness. The reason we ought to exhibit grace to one another is the continuation of relationship because relationship's the most important thing. The purpose of generosity is the enrichment of relationships. And, 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 you know, I know Trent spoke last week and um, there's a range of things that he covered there, but ultimately generosity has got to do with what's coming from here and out there. It's what we give of ourselves to one another. And and we know that God's grace uh, uh, was an act of extraordinary generosity in that he gave his son. The purpose of relationship is the possibility of completion and fulfillment. Let me take a moment to explain that. Do, Do you know what makes us content on earth is relationship. Now, some people will say, oh, you can't say that, I'm single, I'm not... I'm not talking about a marriage relationship. I'm talking about relationships full stop. What brings contentedness, what brings fulfilment is the opportunity of being in relationship with one another. It's what we're built for and it's a foretaste of the relationship we have eternally in heaven with with Christ. And so you may say, well, I'm lacking something. You probably are, as am I. But the answer is not in knowledge, it's in connection and relationship. As we add to one another, as we build one another up, as we encourage one another, as purpose is infused into our life, there is a possibility through relationship of finding a new level of contentment and purpose in our life. If we're willing to go there, the purpose of authenticity is transparency in relationship. I can't be in a relationship without being me. Hiding who I am to be in relationship brings about a falsehood that means that someone is connecting with someone other than me because it's a facade that I'm creating. 
And now the, the reason people are not authentic in relationship is they're not pleased with what it is that they're hiding. Or they're assuming there is something that they are hiding that makes them less palatable to those around about us. If your relationship with others is hindered by your impression of them, then first thing you ought to do is take the log out of your own eye, Jesus said. He said, why are you worried about the speck in someone else's eye when you've got a log in your own? None of us in, in, in relationship are connecting with perfect people. It's not possible here on earth to connect with perfect people. We're all, um, if, if you like, damaged as a result of sin. We're all affected by our upbringing, our learning, and our application of the things that we've learned. And God wants us to enter into relationship with one another anyway. And the real test of our love of God is our ability to overlook or to exhibit grace to those around about us. The purpose of compelling is to relay invitation to relationship. The only reason we ought to compel others is so that the relationship that they enter into is profitable for them. Paul says it's God's love or Christ's love in me that compels me. It it moves him to reach out and to create relationship with those around about him. And we ought to enter into a place where we compel others too to enter into a relationship. Not suggesting young guys compel girls to enter into a relationship with them. That's their choice. Though the way you market yourself probably has something to do with it. If you're a young man and you don't use deodorant, then that's, you know, not really compelling. Mum says to clean your teeth and there's a good reason. The purpose of encouragement is to build relationships. Do you know, encouraging someone costs you nothing. It's not difficult. Choosing words that are appropriate to encourage somebody else makes a significant difference to them, especially if they're going through a difficult time. And, and, you know, the, the idea of us encouraging others is to make a difference for them and it actually enhances relationship. And every one of us can do that. First Timothy, uh, how, how, let me, this, is, this is going to be a, a fairly confrontational few moments. The reason you have trouble in relationships is because of sin. Uh, John 10.10, I like quoting just one half of the verse. But the first part of the verse is this. What's the first part of the verse? Devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life. Devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin is about the destruction of relationship. That's his only objective. He wants to destroy your relationship with God. He wants to destroy your relationship with others. That's all he... If he can do that, he's happy. If you're rich, it makes no difference. He doesn't care if you're rich or you're poor, as long as he can steal, kill, and destroy. The thing that he, he knows matters most is relationship. And so sin and the point of sin is about the destruction of relationship. Go through the Ten Commandments and work out which one of those has nothing to do with relationship. 
When you steal from someone, what you're doing is you're destroying the possibility of relationship with them. When you steal someone's wife, which is one of the other commandments, you're destroying the possibility of relationship with them. The point of sin is the destruction of relationship with God and the possibility of destroying relationship with others. First Timothy 1 and 3 to 11 says this, When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations which don't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience and genuine faith. But some people have missed the whole point. They've turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about, even though they speak so confidently. We know that the law is good when used correctly, for the law was not intended for people who, uh, for people who do right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders or liars or promise breakers or do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. Now, some of you will say, oh, yep, no, clear on that, clear on that, no, all good, I'm okay. Yeah, but what about liars and promise breakers? I mean, I'm sure there are no slave traders here. But what about liars and promise breakers? The point of sin is to destroy relationship with God and to destroy relationship with others. The reason one of our key values is being relational is because it's the whole reason for the gospel. The church is a community of people. It's all of us in relationship together. And that can be healthy as well as difficult. What am I saying here? We need to build healthy relationships. I'll go through a whole bunch of things really quickly. The first is this, be courteous to all. I wish that I could say that I'm courteous to everyone all of the time. I know that I'm not. But the reason I'm not is my problem, not theirs. Treat people as you would like to be treated. I mean, Jesus said to love your neighbour as yourself. It's amazing how we can treat other people in ways that we would never want to be treated ourselves. The key to good relationships is treating others as you yourself want to be treated. Overlook imperfections and exhibit grace. Uh, The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, we exhibit love to people, we choose to love people at times when we don't feel like it, despite their sinfulness and despite our sinfulness. Except that communication always adds a layer of difficulty. It's true for all of us a lot of the time. Sometimes we think we've spoken to someone clearly and and then we see them respond to what was spoken and we realise that they didn't actually hear what we were saying. They didn't understand what we were saying. 
It, it happened for years in our home. I'd say, girls, clean your room. And they didn't hear that. Or they didn't understand it. Now, if I say, clean your room, they hear it and do it, I don't say it again. If I say, clean your room, they don't do it. Then I say the same thing again, clean your room. Can I say this? Sometimes what we need to understand is redundancy only comes as a result of obedience. In other words, my words are redundant if there's been a response of obedience. And so the reason you keep hearing the same things from God is because perhaps your response has not been obedience. Because otherwise what he would be saying is redundant. It's interesting when you think about prayer, there are times where I think some of our prayers are redundant because he's already, he's already done what we've asked him to do. And, and what we need to do is stay away from those because the reason we pray again something that he's already organised or sorted out is because we haven't applied it to our own life. Do you know you're forgiven? And I think, um, did you say last week, uh, talk about forgiveness for a few moments? I don't know, I heard it just recently on one of the podcasts I was listening to, it might have been yours, it might have been someone else's. But basically, said, you know, forgiveness is fine, we all want God to forgive us. But the Bible's also clear that unless we forgive others, God doesn't forgive us. No other conditions, it's really difficult. And so, you know, we need to move to a place of obedience, not just learning. Tonight, you know, with the encounter nights, the point of this is to move beyond just learning into a place of action. You know, it's so frustrating when you know something but don't do it. When you don't do it, you don't get the benefit of the thing that you've learned. There's no point in learning something if it doesn't produce change in your life. And that's really what discipleship is all about. It's what Jesus did. He walked on the earth for three years. He didn't just teach, but he trained. He taught people and then trained them so that they could apply what he taught them because the benefit is in the action, it's not in the learning. Learning's only helpful if it turns into action. I know a whole lot of stuff that, uh, that, 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 that doesn't mean anything. It's useless information because it hasn't been put into action or it's stuff that I've learned that has never got any application, so it's pointless. Believe people are actually acting with good intentions. John, I think most people act with good intentions. It's just they either do it the wrong way or they say the wrong thing. But if you believe the best in people, you work to bring about the best outcome. Focus more on your conduct than someone else's. You can only answer for yourself. So if I'm to be in a relationship with Josh, who's my son-in-law, I could criticize Josh, I could bag him out, I could do a whole bunch of stuff. But do you know what? That makes no difference. At the end of the day, it's what I do that's going to make the difference. It's the way I act. It's the way I conduct myself. 
Does that mean Josh is perfect and I'm imperfect? No, it means we're both imperfect. And what I need to do is focus on the issues I have to improve the relationship I have with Josh. And Josh has to work on the issues he has so that we can improve in relationship. So I'm saying all that to say this. We don't have any issues in relationship that I'm aware of anyway. (laughs) Josh will post something on the internet if you need to see it later. The musos would like to make their way up, or Katie, anyway. Oh, you're the only musician, the others are just... Yeah. <laughs> and she's my daughter, so she's my prized possession. And I remember nearly 10 years ago when we sold her off to Simon and <laughs> received nothing in return. <laughs> well, I was, looking for, uh, I was looking for dollars, but nothing, nothing. It cost me... I don't know what attracted her to him. He was driving a lovely little Daihatsu charade. At the time, 1983 model, it was bright yellow with no back seats in it. I don't know why, but apparently sold the seats and got some more money. And it delights me that the two have become one. You might think, what was all that waffle about? Let me finish with this. Jesus' most powerful profound prayer is found in John 17 sum it up this way Father make them one it says I'm praying not only for these disciples but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one as you are in me Father and I am in you that they may be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. I haven't got any more time today, but let me say this. Jesus' prayer can only be answered if we're willing to respond, you can read it and know it. But it's, it's only got power where you're willing to respond. And Jesus mixed up, mucked up the whole thing there. What I mean by that is he said, hang on, I'm in you, you're in me, I'll be in them and they'll be in me. And then your love in me through them will show everyone what we're really like. What Jesus was really saying is, God, somehow this component of you that is in me and, and, and is also in you, I'm giving to them so that it can be in them and flow out through them. And the word he uses was love. I said a little bit at the start, you know, love is not something you feel. And I understand that it is something you feel. But ultimately, it's a decision you make. Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. It was a decision he made despite how he was feeling. And it was an expression of love, complete love. And you may say, well, I'm having difficulties with this person. Well, maybe you are. But can I implore you to make a decision to love anyway? 
Because ultimately, that's what Christ asks of all of us. Believe me, through the years, I've had to make this decision over and over and over again. When things have happened to me, when things have been said about me, uh, when circumstances have gone against me, uh, my response, I remember one time someone said, how can you continue to do what you do when you know what those people said about you and what they've done to you? They said, well, ultimately what they've said and done makes no difference because I don't serve them, I serve Him. And my responsibility as I read it in the Bible is to forgive whatever has happened and to move forward in obedience to Him and to continue to serve Him, whatever that means. And for you, wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your life, it's exactly the same. Jesus' prayer was, Father, make them one. Father, I pray today. Your deepest desire is for us to be reconciled with one another and to be reconciled together with you. You equate our love for you with our love for one another. You make it clear that they're the same thing. They're of equal importance. You can't do one without the other. And I wish I was standing here today, Father, perfect and and in every way having this all together, but I know that's not true and you know that's not true. And so my prayer today is, Father, help me to become more loving to those around about me. And I pray for everyone here in this congregation today that you would help them to become more loving as well. I know it's not easy, Father. I know it doesn't come uh, in a moment or as a result of a whim, but it's it's a solid and difficult decision. But I pray, move by your Holy Spirit that we might be one in heart, one in soul, one in mind. That we ourselves together here might answer Jesus' prayer. That we might be not only one with him, but one with one another. Move by your Holy Spirit in us today, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.